You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. All right, so we're on Revelation right now, and guys, like, this has been a long journey through Revelation. Um, he, John's been setting out this, this series of pictures of sort of what the world is going to be like, and, and we said we're living in the now, but not yet, right? Things are happening now, but and one day they'll happen in the full, and so we're seeing all these things, and we see all these pictures from slightly different perspectives, but they're all really pretty much about the same thing, and it's this period of time uh, between uh, whatever day and the day Christ's final judgment happens. And so if you're just joining us for the first time today, I'm sorry, we don't always preach Revelation, but it's been a pretty good series, and I've learned a lot, and I hope you guys have too. And what we're doing is we're not avoiding the parts we don't like. Like, we're going through the whole thing, and so it's really, it's really been cool. But uh, in chapters 15 through 18, which is where we're going to be today, um, we're going we're gonna to just kind of hit 15, 17, 18. We're really going to sit in 16. But you're basically seeing... Uh, this conclusion of this struggle of good versus evil, a struggle that started in Genesis when God creates this perfect world and then humans choose sin and you've got this, this whole battle going on, the whole Bible, all of eternity, even now, right? There's a battle between good and evil. And what we're seeing in, in today is the end of this battle, uh, the crescendo. And so what I'm going to preach on today are the seven bowls and they're actually the final plagues. And I am so ready to be done preaching about plagues like, I'm a relatively happy guy, uh, so to preach about plagues every week is kind of like, oh, I'm just ready for them to end. Um, but we need this. We need to know about this stuff. And so uh, we're going to start in chapter 15, verse 1. If you got your Bible, I see some of you do. That's awesome. If you don't have it, man, bring it next week. I think it really helps you. Uh, chapter 15, verse 1, it says this. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, Last, because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire. And standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast in its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servants, Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. This is a really cool part of this chapter, okay? We're about to get into the actual plagues, but before we get into them, there's this intro, and this intro is called, uh, it's called the Song of the Triumphant Martyrs. It's like for weeks we've been seeing all these people gathered around the throne room, right? And they're praying, when, God? When? When will your day come? When will you avenge? Remember, John is writing this to people who are dealing with, with persecution and the emperors. There's martyrs and there's bloodshed. And, and Rome doesn't, doesn't execute people politely. When Rome executes people, it's, it's crucifixions and filleting people, and horrible stuff. And so there's this voice from the martyr that's going up to the throne room. And now they're saying, oh, yes, God, your time has come now. Now you will be victorious. Now we will see your righteousness. Now we will see your glory. And there's one thing that I want you to notice that's missing from this song of the triumphant martyrs. Two words. We win. They're not shouting, we win. I think there's a little lesson here just to take before we get too far into this message for today. When we see evil crushed, when we see Christ speak in such a way that it's undeniable, 
When we see God triumph in a way over some wrong in the world, the message from the church shouldn't be, we win, you lose. What you don't see Christians doing in this is going around the Capitol with signs and say, ha, 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 our political party is better than yours. What you don't see Christians doing in this is going on Facebook and saying, ha, ha, we told you so, and all this kind of junk. You know what you see happening when God triumphs in the world, what you see Christians doing? Worshiping humbly. Let's just hold on to that, all right? And a matter of fact, if you don't take anything else from today, that's probably good enough. When we see God on the move, our job is to humbly worship, not to be know-it-alls who act like we're smarter than the rest of the world. All right. So now let's talk about the seven angels. There were seven Spanish angels at the altar of the Lord. <laughs> they were praying for the lover. Y'all know that song, don't you? There were seven Spanish angels at the altar of the Lord. So you got se- every, but every time I read seven angels, I can't help but think seven Spanish angels. Um, I know. But so there you got these seven angels, and they're each given a bowl. Uh, what's in the bowl? What's in the bowl? God's wrath. Congratulations. Here's a bowl of God's wrath. And so they've got these bowls, and man, again today we're going to be talking about God's wrath. And I don't, I don't want to. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun for me. As a matter of fact, like when I got done writing this message, I wrote the next two. I normally write one message a week. Uh, but I wrote this one, and then I wrote the next two because the next two are so beautiful and so full of grace and so glorious and so fun. But we got to deal with this one. And we're not skipping. We believe the whole Bible for the whole world. And so we're not skipping this stuff. But again, here we are in God's wrath. And remember, this is what people use against us who don't like Christians. This is what people use against God. It's, it's they, oh, God's wrath, your God is mean. It's, it's because they don't understand. And, and we're going to get into that today. But just dive in knowing um, that God's wrath is, is not against people. And we'll get back to that in a second. Revelation 16, 2. It says, the first angel went. So each angel's got a bowl, and they're going to pour it out, and it's God's wrath. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land. And ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Okay, so the first angel pours out his bowl, and what you see is disease. Uh, death, plagues, all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I think we have to understand again, we see some of this happening today. It, you, one of the most frequent questions I answer is some, some uh, sort of question like this. Why in the world does my Aunt Sally have cancer? Why? Why, why would a good God let my Aunt Sally, who's one of the greatest Christians I've ever known, why would a good God let her have cancer? And maybe you guys have asked those questions, and I, I certainly have struggled with that. And the truth is, and we need to know this, it wasn't Sally's sin that caused her cancer. Okay, as a matter of fact, there's a conversation, uh, I think it's in Matthew, maybe in Luke, but it's, the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they see this person who's blind. And they say, are they blind because of their sin or because of their parents' sin? And Jesus is like, no, 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 neither one. So your Aunt Sally doesn't have cancer because she sinned. Even if she had enough faith, she would probably still have the cancer, right? It's not because of her sin, but it is because of sin. The reason there is sickness and disease in the world is because of sin. And so sometimes well-meaning Christians, we go into hospital rooms or whatever, and we try to tell somebody, oh, this was God's will because of blah, 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 blah. And, and, and you know, we try to, like, everything's got to have an answer. Every sickness has to have an answer. Every disease has to have an answer. Every death has. Here's the truth. Sickness, death, and disease are because of sin. 
And God, God is eradicating sin. And so there's going to be a day when these things are gone, when these things plague us no more. But between, that day and, and between this day and that day, we will live in a world where bad things happen because of sin. And so I think we see this happening in, in part now, but one day we will see it in full. Verse, uh, let's look at verse 3. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person. And every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Okay, so all the water, and this is this, a lot of this language is from Exodus. You guys remember the story in Exodus where everything became blood. And so all the water now has become blood. I want all of you to answer who know the answer. Where do these people live? In a desert. desert. Yes. So can you imagine how scary it would be to think that suddenly you will have no access to water whatsoever? It, it would really be the equivalent of me saying all of your iPhones turn to ashes. <laughs> th th that would be the fear. And so imagine that in this world, there's no water. And, and remember, in, the, in one of the other plagues, we saw it was a third of all the creatures. Now it's like, now it's everything. And their industry, their livelihood depends on the sea. Their livelihood depends on catching fish. Their livelihood depends on, on the water. And so to take these things away is to take away everything. And so I think the meaning behind this is there will be a day when everything is stripped away except for God. There will be a day when, and we've all depended on something above God at some point in our lives. And there will be a day when everything you've ever depended on, your job, your money, every, it's, it's all stripped away. And all you will have is God. And at that point, nothing will matter to you except for the relationship you have with God. And so I think we see this day coming. And then verse, verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and the sun was allowed to scorch the people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues. And listen, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Y'all see a theme? Over and over, the people refuse. Over and over, something, and the people refuse to repent. They, re, they refuse to turn to God. And a few plagues ago, I think it was seals or trumpets, uh, God made the, the sky dark. Y'all remember this? And we said, in the darkness, what do you do? You seek the light. And so out of this beautiful act of grace and mercy, God allowed darkness in the world because when it's dark, that's when you want the light the most. That's when you miss the light. And now he's like, now you're going to experience the full power of the light. You, you think about the sunshine up there. The sunshine brings life to the world, right? The sun can bring you life. The sun can bring you joy. But should you get too close to the sun, what else can the sun do? kill you. And so what we're seeing now is God saying, my holiness and glory are now fully exposed. And for those of you who did not reject it, or for those of you who'd, who'd rejected it, for those of you who did not seek me, my holiness and glory will now kill you. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what we've got happening here. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent for what they had done. Okay, so who's he going after now? It says this plague was against the, the beast, right? And so now he's got this plague against the beast. And, and, and again, God's wrath is being taken out on the beast. And I think this is so important 
Because this is where I think the world gets confused. And maybe this is where we as Christians get confused. I don't believe God's wrath is against people. I believe God's wrath is against sin. And I think we need to understand that difference. And the best analogy I can think of is this. If you lived in a house and it was full of black mold and it was full of asbestos and that house was killing you, like it was toxic, like everything, there was exposed wires. This house is absolutely killing you, okay? It's destroying you. And someone comes along and they say, hey, hey, Ryan, you got to get out of that house. I'm commanding you to get out of the house. But if you will get out of the house, I'm going to give you a brand new home. And it's going to have a beautiful garden. And this house is going to make your life better. This house is going to bring joy to you and it's going to bring peace to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the greatest house you've ever known. I'm going to bulldoze the house you live in. And you've seen me do it. You've seen me bulldoze. So you know I'll do it. If you do not get out of that house that's killing you and move into this new home, which I have prepared for you, I'm going to bulldoze your house. And if you choose to stay in it, then you choose to die with it. But my anger is not at you. My anger is at the house. Does that make sense? God's anger is at sin, not people. He created people. He loves people. God's anger is with that that is destroying people. And so I think we must remember this. God doesn't hate people. He hates sin. And we serve a God who will do anything in the world to eradicate sin from his beloved people. And you get to make the choice. Do you stay in the old, decrepit, moldy house and die? Or do you move into this sweet, beautiful space the king of the world has prepared for you? Now, that doesn't make God sound that bad to me, does it? And so uh, God's wrath is against sin. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. By the way, Rome and all these places depended on the river Euphrates. This is a big deal in their area. And so now we've got this bowl being poured out on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. There's that unholy trinity we talked about. They are demonic, and they perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for a battle on the great day of of the Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gather the kings together to a place in Hebrew that is called, anyone want to guess? Armageddon. Y'all ever heard of that? Don't want to hone your don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, baby. And I don't want to miss a thing. Y'all never seen Armageddon? That was really actually good. Honestly. No, the song. Avi. It's one of those movies you watch every time, don't you? It's on. You're going to watch it. But I mean, I still think it would be easier to train astronauts to be old than it would, but whatever. It's, not, it's neither here nor there. So you got this battle. This, this, so this is, the, this is the conclusion of all of humanity, right? Everything's been pointing to this. Uh, you, from the beginning, uh, the enemy has, has tried to go after God and have to go after God's people. And now you've got these armies forming. So you've got the evil army. And you have to go, did y'all know Armageddon was a place? This is one of those things. Armageddon's coming. Arm, when we talk about Armageddon, what we are talking about is a place in Hebrew, all right? So remember that. But now you've got this big battle, and it's about to happen. Spewing out evil spirits. Verse 17, y'all are never going to believe who wins this. The seventh angel 
poured out his bowl into the air. And out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Oh, man, that's good. All these armies, uh, this big battle, and then God says, it is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup Filled with the wine and the fury of his wrath, every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, hailstones, each weighing 100 pounds, fell on people and they cursed God on account of the plague because the plague was so terrible. All of history, everything is built up to this one dramatic, this battle. And you guys just, I mean, picture this. Use your imagination. It's okay. Picture massive, an army of evil, okay, and an army of good. They're about to do war. And then God speaks, and he says, it is done. And one of the things I think is so beautiful about this is this war wasn't won because of all the guns we've been storing up, right? This war wasn't won because we've all been stockpiling weapons waiting for this great day, and we're all going to go to battle. And all this, this war was won because the word of God went out from God and destroyed an army. I think there's probably a good lesson in that, too. It was the word of God that won the war. It was the word of God that opened the earth. It was the word of God that swallowed the army. The rest of the people were just sitting there going, man, God, he's really tough. Good job, you know. This, I don't know why I always think of this when I read this, but if you're ever in a fight, how old are you? How old are you, five, six, ten? How old is he? Six. Okay, if you're ever in a fight, this is good advice for you. I hope you never are. But the guy in the front row who's running his mouth, pop, 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 don't be scared of him. Be scared of the guy who's sitting back like this, just being cool. Because sometimes the toughest guy in the room isn't the one popping off at the mouth. He's the one waiting for the right time to speak. And what you see with God was he's waiting. And then he speaks. And then it's done. Isn't that gorgeous? I mean, I, 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 it's hard because, I mean, we're seeing God's wrath and we're seeing this, all this, this stuff, but we're also seeing through the word of God, God brought life into the world. And through the word of God, God speaks things into existence. And through the word of God, he swallows an army. And it's like all these people and all these persecuted peoples finally are getting what they've asked for. God's full righteousness being exposed on the earth. And you guys can read through chapter 17 and 18 on your own. I'm not going to talk much about them, but um, like chapter 17, uh, he's talking about the great harlot, the great prostitute, and he's talking about Rome. Uh, Paul, I mean, John does not like Rome for very obvious reasons, uh, one of which is he's on an island by himself because of Rome. Uh, Nero, right, is, the, is, is probably the beast, and Rome is the beast, and so uh, Rome has killed his friends. Rome has persecuted him, and so for two chapters, you basically just have John outlining the wrath of God on the Roman Empire. But I I want to end with this, and then we're going to take communion because next week we get to talk about the wedding feast of the Lamb, and it's so gorgeous, and I can't wait. And like I'm really struggling this week staying with this message because I want to go to the grace because it's just so beautiful and cool. But there's one more thing we should talk about in Revelation before we leave it. And we're leaving the plagues, and so like this is the last thing I'm, I'm going to say about this kind of stuff. One of the things I think you see in Revelation, and I really think we should take note of this, is a scathing critique against uh, imperial ideas, a scathing critique against nationalism. 
think one of the things we see in Revelation is a warning of what happens when God's people uh, elevate governments over God. And guys, we've seen, we see this. In, in, in our country today, people, their religion is whoever seems to be occupying the office at the time. And both, this is both sides, both sides are so guilty. We, and we've all, we've all probably gotten caught up in this at some point is this idea that this government's going to save me and this politician's going to save me and, and if, if only if this rule passes, then, and, you know, this is, these people, this idea of, uh, of, of rising up ourselves and thinking that we are somehow greater than other people because of our political persuasions, Revelation is a harsh critique on that, a reminder that to sometimes align yourself with the crooked government is to align yourself with the beast, and it's to be careful. It's to make sure that you're not choosing government over God, to make sure that we're not replacing the cross with a flag, to make sure that we always love this country and be politically passionate. All, yes, those things are good, good, good. But never let your political passions or your love for this country rise above your willingness to lay down your life for the people who disagree with you. Because when we've done that, we've lost our way. And let me tell you, the world is, it's, it's happening. The church right now is being led in all sorts of weird directions by people who are aligning themselves with political parties instead of Jesus the Christ. And so I would just say, and I, I know I say this a lot, but man, watch what you say. Watch what you say. Make sure that your, uh, your word in the world is not a word that elevates political passions over the passion of the Christ. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.